Hello, this is Ted Prezelski. We're sort of on the word side today. Um, I've got um, some excerpts from the Tucson Comic Con panel on Latinx creators and comics. Uh, the person that ran the panel was Cynthia Noggle, who owns And Gallery on 4th Avenue. We had Henry Barajas, who is local but currently living in Los Angeles, who did uh, La Voz de Mayo, is currently working on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but has several other projects. Beth Sotelo, who's got a comic called Grump. John Gomez, who does the pencils on uh, La Muerta from Coffin Comics. And Jesse Hernandez, who uh, has a company called Urban Aztec, um, which makes a lot of interesting art. I'm going to get right into it because this is going to run over. Um, so since we're talking about being uh, creators and having our culture involved in it, there's always that complication of like, um, is our art Mexican art, Latino art, just because we're making it, or how we use our, um, our culture, our history and community in our stories, in our art. Um, what are the ways that you have used um, your culture in your art? Sorry, mate. Um, well, I'll be brief. I started when I was 18 and I made a comic called El, called El Loco. I think only probably a couple of you might remember it. Um, and that's what I put into Peligrosa. It was, it was a decade after it came out and I was just like, I want to, you know, want to bring that back. But La Voz de Mayo is kind of the thing that I hope will, you know, resonate with people and have a longer shelf life. Uh, Helen Greycastle again with the indigenous background and the uh, Mesoamerican history uh, and with Gil Thorpe I write a comic uh, syndicated comic strip that's in papers all around the country and here in Arizona Daily Star in the sports section um, so I've been introducing more people of color in that and trying to also look beyond myself and trying to introduce more kinds of people of color and I think one of the biggest things that the Mexican um, or the brown, you know, Latino uh, community often um, doesn't like to acknowledge or doesn't know how to acknowledge is the Afro-Latino uh, with the Puerto Ricans, within the Caribbean, you know, uh, islands that were near Mex that are near Mexico. Um, that is something I've also also been trying to be more um, cognizant of. Uh, I'm working on a book called La Muerta. Um, it's basically the protagonist, the main character of the book. It's a combination of, I would say, Sin City and the Crow, or the Punisher and the Crow, with uh, this female protagonist who she basically fights crime. Um, she's a she's Hispanic. I think she's Mexican, but uh, it takes place in what is supposed to be somewhat of an LA kind of environment. Um, so there's a lot of stereotypes they touch on in the story, but. It's also, I use it as an opportunity to study, I don't know, modern stuff. Um, I don't know that I, I don't know that I stray too far from like the general ideas of good, good guys and bad guys, goons or character archetypes for the story, but I use it the opportunity to, I look up stuff, uh, I don't know, like urban stuff or Mexico, Mexico City style clothing. What are kids wearing now? So it's like, 
I try to be very specific to the, the culture of the people there as a lot of distinct, unique things that uh, we're not seeing uh, being worn or depicted in comics. So I guess I kind of just look at it from that angle and uh, it adds an extra uniqueness to the way the book can, can look uh, just because being that it's an urban story, kind of uh, crime noir based thing, I try to infuse, like I said, a little bit of interest by coming up with unique styles. Um, I don't know, I, I, I kind of got the idea from some of my favorite films like Blade Runner, uh, where they would infuse like a Japanese culture to the futuristic yeah. look, and it helped create this really distinct quality uh, about it. So again, looking into, because there's a lot of stuff that happens like with the younger people like in Mexico City and the, the, the just a huge like a uh, surge of like different unique styles, the way they dress, the way they wear their hair, and like it's interesting to me. And so I try to pick up little pieces like that to add it to m my, I guess my arsenal of stuff, uh, just to again, add a unique quality to it. Uh, but otherwise I, I stick to the theme of the book, which has got a Dia de los Muertos kind of vibe to it. Um, we do touch on a lot of Mayan uh, kind of stuff. And I have to make a distinction with at times. What do you are you referring to Mayan or like Aztec tech culture? And it's like we kind of try to investigate certain things or what the writers are going for, um, and then I try to infuse like what I my experience or knowledge in those things is, uh, and help them kind of guide them along with it. Uh, and again, I, I always I s try to s stay away as much as possible uh, from the generic ideas of what something is interpreted as. And then I say, well, look, actually, if you look at this book there's this thing that we can kind of add to the arsenal of this character or uh, portray her in this way. And so it's fun. We get to pick and choose things we think help uh, make it give, it, give it a unique quality, but we're always really cognizant of what we're picking or how we're using it. And yeah. we're trying to make it distinct and also pay respect to how it's... Of course, the research is such an important thing with it. Yeah. And because yeah. there's so many different, um, of course, like tribes and all that yeah, within absolutely. our culture. And um, I do have to compliment you on your fashion stuff because the first time I was like looking through your art, I was like, these outfits are so good. I want to wear all of them. <laughs> well, the thing, it's very like, cool. So there's a, I don't know what it was, it was a weird movement in Mexico City specifically where the, mm -hmm. these teenagers and older people, where their hairstyles were crazy and some of the clothes they were wearing were like, I've never seen stuff like that. So I wanted to just bring some of that into the book just because it's okay. modern and different and hip, you know? In Grump, I also focus on people of color. <laughs> Grump is green, periwinkle is purple, and orange. <laughs> like literal colors. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> basically, it's an all ages book, and I I want to uh, appeal to to young people and like old people, old people who like stuff like I like. Um, in a, in a way that they can all see themselves in these characters, so I'm not focusing super heavily on like a certain culture or anything, but um, one thing I did notice years ago, I made a print of you know, Grump, Manny, and Perry. They were doing their Day of the Dead kind of thing. It was at the end of October, in November, and uh, somebody was coming along Artist Alley, and they said, at least you, are, you have the right to be making this type of art, because you'll see it all around Artist Alley. And it's not just like some cutesy, fashionable thing. It actually has meaning. So. I never really thought about it, but that person kind of shone a light on it, so I thought that was interesting. So. Um, yeah, so uh, 
I guess within a lot of my um, art, so let's say uh, for the like vinyl toys and stuff like that I've been doing for like the past 20 years, um, there was not a lot of information about um, you know, the gods and things like that of the Aztec mythology at the time. It's so hard to find yeah. information on it. It's gotten easier. But and yeah. so like each time it was almost like a, like a history lesson. Just like you would, I'd be researching sculpture and trying to figure out all the information I could find um, so that it's also, you know, based in... Um, you know, the actual uh, original artwork, but then also kind of pushing uh, into a new realm, right? So that you have your style on it, but it also, you know, pays tribute to the originals. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so say like with uh, like the different Aztec um, sculptures and things, they put art on every side, right? So like wherever it was, it would, you know, honor uh, all the directions. Like they even sculpted the bottom, the top. Like, so sometimes you would see uh, a sculpture that was elevated so you could see what was underneath that honored the earth. Um, and so I guess it's kind of a, in that way, a very respectful and kind of spiritual process as well. Um, and so with everything though, I try to make uh, stuff that, that it represents, you know, for those cultures, but it's also inclusive to everyone. You know what I mean? So it's like something anyone can appreciate. You don't have to be of the same origin. It will mean more to you if you have the same roots. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, it's something for everyone as well. Um, and then, uh, like getting to do stuff now, where you know you're kind of, I, I do uh, you know my style versions of you know pop culture characters that are like officially licensed. I never imagined stuff like that would even be possible. But now it's kind of, um, you know, e each time you're doing something, it kind of opens up doors for everyone at the same time. Yeah. Where like, oh, we can do that now, like officially, bro. But yeah, I guess so. It, you know? It's so crazy <laughs> because like I. Ten years ago, I never would have thought no. like we would see a Godzilla like Aztec version of that. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's so cool, and I love to see the representation. And I know it's uh it's been hard to get our representation out there, but it's really cool to see that. And I mean that took a lot of convincing, you know, to, yeah. you know, to get to that, um, mm -hmm. you know, to get that officially <laughs> approved. And there's a lot of things they had to go through to to make it happen. Yeah. And um, you know, including being like, hey guys, by the way, there's a, a huge audience that will appreciate this, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but, you know, no one recognized uh, that, that how it would be received at the time, including myself, you know, like, yeah. I, I hope people like it, I don't know. Like, <laughs> and, and I do, um, like, talking on that, it's kind of a, the, the research of your culture and certain things they can find, but um, I love playing with the that and also the fantasy of what I imagine yeah. it would look like now if we still stuck to those roots. Like I, it's the reason why I love like anything Wakanda because they stay true to their like um, their roots, but also a lot of futurism in it. Yeah. And it's cool. Like uh, that's what I try to play with with my art and all that too. So it's like part of it's fantasy, part of it's like a nod to my culture. And um, with that, I'll segue to the next question where it's um. It is how your culture inherently helped you be a creator. I'll use um, myself as an example. Wait, like, so you had questions ready? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, so Where like, was our list ahead of the game? So we could put you guys on the spot. Let's go. <laughs> she wants live reactions. <laughs> I do, I do. Every now and then I prepare it that way, but I'm like, oh, I think this is going to be fun this way. Um, so, like, inherently how you have used uh, your culture in your creative process or whatever it is. Like, um, with my art gallery, so I work with a lot, a lot with the community. 
and people always ask, like, Cynthia, you're so good at this. Like, how is it you're so patient and you do all this stuff with people and artists and this and that? And I'm like, I'm Mexican. <laughs> it's what we do. We take care of each other. It's family-based. Um, you listen. You call each other out. But you're always there to support. And I know that not all families are like that, but I'm very lucky to have a very, very, very big Mexican family and we're all very close and we all support each other. So I use that same energy with the art community. So that's one way that I use it, which I'm very grateful for my culture for that. Uh, I guess mine is in preservation because La Mosa Mayo was um, one of those books that was like, uh, it, was, it was something that was orally explained to me for a long time with not a lot of paperwork and I'm what they called a Medici as a kid, <laughs> and uh, wouldn't stop asking questions. I was very nosy, which led me to being a reporter at one point in my life. So I wrote a book about my great-grandfather so I can have that to give to my family so that hopefully there's another you know, nosy kid that wants to know what he did. They'll be able to share that with him. And it was also um, something I wanted to show the tribe because they did a, a really terrible job with documenting their own history. I don't know if they had the means, maybe it was political, the UKBCOs are very influential and have positioned themselves to be very big names and a big family within the, the, the tribe. But a lot of those guys were in and out of jail and they were being bailed out by my great-grandfather. And uh, now they are, now they're super well off. And the Haudiga, you know, the Haudiga family is not. And so I hope Maybe someday they'll be able to acknowledge Ramon and and the people of La Voz de Mayo and and give them a proper give them their flowers someday because if it weren't for them, we'd be driving through the Interstate 10 through what is now known as Old Pascua instead of where it is now. Literally, the foundation of the city, this foundation of the country, you could take California and Florida with the I-10, and to think that a group of Natives and Mexican American folks were able to change that is, I think, pretty special. And and to go back to Helen Braycastle of the Mesoamerican history, a lot of Mesoamerican history is told by well-educated white people from all around the world. And Broken Spears is a book that I read that was told through the indigenous perspective, which was very important. To yeah, very good book. It reads like an action movie. It's it's amazing. Everyone should read it. And um, so that was important for preservation. And uh, Mexican people don't think I'm Mexican enough to tell those stories, even though the Yaquis were documented by Spanish conquistador priests. You know, I don't know how Mexican that gets. <laughs> yes, oh my God. Uh, you know, I guess working on the book that I work on, La Huerta, for as long as I have, which is eight years, um, I've had I've done a lot of research about I guess the Mesoamerican people specifically Mayan culture and learning a lot about that just to add more to the story and understand what we're doing uh, and in doing so I've learned a lot more about the culture itself um, and the history you know especially the Mayan culture stuff there's so much I didn't know before working on this project with Bar uh, Brian Polito and. Um, it wasn't necessary, but it just kept becoming something I wanted to 
learn more about and attribute to what we were trying to do. And in doing so, it, it just, as, as an artist, I think uh, visually, I'm always looking for things to devour and to then add to what I'm doing. And so I have a habit of just constantly looking stuff up, like I mentioned earlier, regarding styles. And I started looking up armor, and I started looking up things that they would find regarding uh, the Mayan and the culture of there, and all the things they would find in Guatemala and all these other things. And it led me down to like, well, who was this person that lived here? What was this particular castle, or what was this throne, or what? And as I kept going, I started finding, wait, this is associated to the other thing I just read about. And so the pieces were starting to come together, and I started getting a sense of the identity of these people. Uh, but it's all scattered everywhere, and it's like fragmented due to the fact that they were, you know, pillaged and so forth. But all of that stuff goes into the book with me, and uh, it's stuff that I started as just using as reference. But then I started enjoying more as I developed an understanding of everything that was happening, uh, and it gave me a better appreciation for those things. So it was kind of unintentionally done, but now I can tell the difference between certain types of knots that they would use uh, and things I can add to the way I interpret something in the drawing and therefore when someone asks, well, why did you do that? I actually have a meaning behind it. Or I can force force it into a piece where it'll make you ask, why is it that way? Why does something look that way? Uh, and it'll have some actual reference towards something. So it's been fun. I mean, I enjoy doing it and uh, it's been a bigger and bigger part of how I go about my work. So I guess that's kind of how I approach it. I don't, I don't think specifically <coughs> my heritage kind of informed anything that I'm doing in Grump, but only to acknowledge that there are differences between people's home lives. So for Grump, Manny, and Perry, they have similarities that kind of bond them, but when you go into each of their homes, you should, I want it to be able to seem like different like home cultures between them, so that gives them just a little more diversity and kind of how these kids might even see through how their friend's life is a little different, but we all have this thing to bring us together. So not super specific, like heritage and culture, but just to acknowledge that it's not all the same everywhere. What was the question? I mean, I guess I, I, you know, I would probably add on, similar to, to what everyone else has been saying here as well. Um, I mean, I think a lot of uh, the stuff I do is about you know, preserving and, and promoting the indigenous culture. Because um, I think so so many of us have that feeling and that longing for, for that, uh, you know, where we come from. Everyone's looking for their own identity and everything, you know. And um, there's a lot of stuff where you feel it. You know, you, you know it's that you can sense these things, but how do you verbalize it? So a lot of times, you know, those are, are overlooked. But like, so say, how I got into doing stuff that was you know, so much, um, like, Aztec culture, it was just a feeling, you know, that I'm like, dude, how do you express this? But, like, so when I would be painting murals and stuff like that, I started honoring um, Quetzalcoatl, the feathered serpent, and it was something that I just felt, so I kept doing it. Um, it was just, uh, you know, it, from there, it just kept growing, right? And um, became kind of a way of doing things. Um, and then, uh, speaking of family, like she was saying, uh, I meet cousins I didn't know all the time. Oh so, yeah, yeah. You know, it's always good. Oh, I don't know the ones from that area. Oh, that's cool. Right? We're like, 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 oh, like you know? so there's so many tias everywhere. Like even yeah. here, there's like I ran into like five cousins here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as far as like everyone being into comic books and things like that as well, I mean, Lucha Libre is the original mass superheroes. You know what I mean? Like 
that culture has always been there, and I feel like you can always see yourself in Lucha Libre. You know, so I felt, you know, an affinity to, uh, to that from the jump. You know, like, there was literally a wrestler named Jesse Hernandez when I was a kid in WWF. And I was like, oh, that's this is my sport, bro. What? Like, you, know, you know, you don't always get that to say in, like, basketball or baseball or whatever it happens to be. You know, because, you know, we're all always looking, you know, for, for something that we could feel, oh, this is our people, this is our thing, you know. And um, So, yeah, I think that's why it's important for everyone to have themselves represented in, in that sort of stuff. So I feel like... That's kind of a part of why we're always creating stuff that is of the culture, yeah. you know, representing your own roots, you know, and it's as so, you interpret. And I'm glad you brought up the feeling thing, because I feel like um, a lot of uh, Latinos, uh, whatever, um, brown people, like we feel a certain kind of imposter syndrome sometimes, where it's like we're not allowed to have these feelings about our culture because we don't speak Spanish, we're not brown enough, we're not this and that. And that feeling that you have is something like really important to hang on to because it's not your fault, you're lighter skinned or whatever it is with um, colonization that has happened. And it's like working really hard to decolonize ourselves too. So I'm really glad you said that feeling thing because I think that is important to stick with. For sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a, it, it's something that we all, I mean, imposter syndrome, like, come on, as an artist, oh my God. <laughs> I know. like, there wasn't even a term for that before, but I yeah. always am like, oh, dude, what am I doing? Like, yeah. someone's going to realize that, that I've made this up or whatever. <laughs> like, hey, what are we doing, though? Like, yeah. we all go through that. Yeah, know? like, I've worked with so many artists, established artists, newer artists, whatever it is, everyone feels it, no matter how big you are or small, it just, it's all over the place. And just because there's a word doesn't make it feel better. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there's a word imposter. Right. Yeah. yeah that word sucks. Syndrome. <laughs> yeah. That so. is no, like, doctor for it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's, like, a, again, a perfect segue into my next question. Um, is uh, breaking generational curses or <laughs> things in our generations and um, that in our culture that are toxic? Especially, um, you know, there are some things in Latino culture that we know, a lot of machismo, a lot of that. <laughs> and, um, for instance, with Anne Gallery, um, it's always been really important to me to represent um, a diverse artist and having uh, other Mexican artists. And, um, for instance, uh, I, a lot of queer Latino art. We have an artist in here that has had art in there that's like... But it's like indigenous Mexico, but it's like two women like being affectionate with each other. And <laughs> hope I'll kick Henry off of this. <laughs> I mean, everybody saw that coming, anyways. But uh, but it's uh, really important to like to recognize these kinds of things, and um, it's been really cool to see even our older generation responding to it and being like, "Hey, this is okay. This isn't like all that." So. Um, that's been my way of trying to break those kind of things. Yeah, I mean, like, growing up, um, what was that uh, fortune teller's name? Uh, <laughs> Walter Mercado. Yeah. Why was it okay for him to be on our TV every afternoon and, like, our cousin, who was not a guy or was into guys, was, like, you know, ostracized from the family, you know? Mm -hmm. It was a pretty... Right? <laughs> like, yeah. we all suspended our disbelief because we would get, like, lottery numbers or, like, what, you know, a Virgo, you know, was going to do today. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where, 
we're lucky as we progress in society, uh, especially here in Tucson. You know, I was just walking here, and there's something called the Laos Center, you know, the Dono Autumn Center. You know, there's so much uh, love for our uh, different cultures here in Tucson. So growing up here, you know, I had a lot of friends from all different walks of life, and that really informed me as a person. And um, that's in my art, it reflects in my, you know, the world around me. And, um, you know, I, as much as I love my family, and I did a book about my great-grandfather, I really don't care about my family. Um, I just care about what I'm doing in art. And if they don't like it, then tough, because I have to, you know, be make myself happy. I can't continuously, you know, please anybody. You know, and that's, that goes for anything I make. Yeah, that's a really important thing to say, because that's kind of the double-edged sword of having, like, close, um, like Mexican families being so close, because then it's like everyone has their opinion. <laughs> everyone wants to be involved or say something, so eh, I think that's a really good thing to yeah. check yourself and be like, okay, this is Abandon your family. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's my message to everyone. If you took anything from me in this panel, that's what I want to drive home, is to drive you away from home. <laughs> So, uh, what was the question? Um, <laughs> breaking generational curses, like the yeah, toxic media. Bury your abuelita that. up a hill and eat a like an un- like a purple onion. No, that's like, real though. No, that's, uh, that's holes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> 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 okay. Um, breaking generational. Like, how do you like with La Muerta? Yeah. Like, what are you like with? Your family would be like, why are you drawing a comic about a woman? Why aren't you doing a strong? Oh, I see. Know, yeah. Macho, machismo. I guess in some ways, like, I don't really, I don't speak to my family, so I've been taking your advice yeah. already. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> at least culturally, like things like that. Right. I think that, I, you know, the one thing I would say, being on the book with these guys, that um, they've been great about it, but we, we also, I always kind of double back and say, like, hey, this is very stereotypical the way you guys are approaching or portraying these people or this character in this particular story. Um, I've never really, I've, I've had conversations about it because we try to put it on, a, twist it on its head so that it doesn't seem so typical because, again, the setting for what we do, it's it's very LA-esque and there's a lot of gangs and, of course, a lot of Latino gangs and this yeah. and so there's all these things that they become a very kind of stereotypical thing and so then what I do is I try to mix it up so it's not so obviously that way, you know, and it's like... Uh, I try to infuse it so that there's a, a variety of uh, people or archetypes within that structure. Um, what's interesting too is that in our book we have a lot of really strong female uh, characters that are in the role of, of mostly male situations. You know, like one of the main villains, the Joker to our Batman of our character, she's uh, uh, she heads a, a major cartel, and so she's kind of like this this crazy evil person, but she's super powerful, and she's like, she's kind of the boss of the situation. She's kind of like a, somewhat of a diva, uh, and also like the main villain, but the company that I work for in itself, they portray a lot of strong women as well as really like sexy women, but my book in particular is not as sexy as some of their other books, so it's nice, but it's also harder because to sell the idea of our concept and the story, we're having to lean in on the other things, the, the, the less uh, easy things, which are more about the culture and the way uh, the story and the characters reveal uh, parts of it. But uh, yeah, I think that's the challenge for me, is to, to 
not lean into that stuff so much. Like you don't have some dude leaning on some El Camino all the time. You know yeah, what I mean? And yeah. things like that. So it's like that's actually pretty cool though. Yeah, <laughs> it is. But it's also it's once again it's like like I mentioned earlier regarding the cool styles and things coming straight out of Mexico City. They they're way different than you would imagine things would be. And so like it takes just like doing the research to figure out well what is a modern Latino or Hispanic yeah, person. breaking the, the stereotype. Yeah, like, and yeah. so when you start researching it more and more, like you find out how far away they are from those things now. And so I try to, that's exciting to me because then now I can infuse that into the book and have people go, what the hell is that? And you go, look it up, it's, it's there, it's actually the way things are. And so it's almost like a drawing that's literally almost a photograph of what's happening in this particular part of society now. And so instead of being lazy about it, I take every opportunity to like, well, what, what, are the, what are people wearing now? Or how are they dressing? Or what is a, what is a Latino in this situation like now? And so that's, that's kind of what I lean into. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I think uh, if there was ever any molds that I'm breaking from being, you know, in a semi-Hispanic Mexican family that doesn't speak English and is super light skin, <laughs> um, I think there was probably an expectation that I follow, you know, with the, the the family tradition of being a stay-at-home mom or something. Oh yeah. But I just am oblivious to that, and I was kind of doing my own thing, and I kind of ignored that a little bit. I'm stubborn, so I just kind of did my own thing, pulled away from that, and it's not even, again, it's not a super strong heritage thing, it's just me just kind of tuning out the noise and following the things that I wanted to do, and that's how I kind of ended up here, but oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's important, like being white passing, people not knowing that about you. Yeah, yeah I, I, I just, I just kind of did my own thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesse? What was the question? Huh? <laughs> Where are we? There's <laughs> something about family curses. Yes. How do you break your family curse? You're uh, generational. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, uh, uh, to me, comedy is the biggest thing. Where, yeah. and it's also how people deal with so generational trauma and stuff. It's mm-hmm. like you, you, you know, you can sit around and wallow in, in your shit if you want, but they're just going to be super negative. So, uh, you know, I think all the, you know, uh, native, Latino, whatever else, like humor is such a big part of it, where we just laugh at everything, because, you know. Oh, yeah, I got like, it. What do you do? Be sad? Like, yeah, sh- up, but yeah, it's funny. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, even, uh, you know, like, even when, uh, if I'm going to go on a trip or something, you know, like, I'm like, all right, it's going to be a dope trip or a f***ed up trip, but if it's a bad trip, it's a good story. You know, yeah, so exactly. Way, there's a positive, you know, no matter how you spin it, you know yeah. what I mean? So Mexicans are amazing storytellers. It's like, <laughs> oh my god. Lots of lives. <laughs> so much fun. You know, yeah, I, I, that's, yeah, that, that was the only point okay. I had. That. Yeah, no, no, that's good. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Words and Work has been a presentation of Downtown Radio and the National Writers Union Tucson Chapter. See you next week.